Coming up on this week's episode, we discuss whether we should restrict social media use for children, Martin shares a game recommendation that he thinks we should all be playing, and Alan shares his thoughts on the brand new film, Gringo. Let's hit it. You're listening to the Three Pixels Tech, Gaming and Movie Podcast, brought to you by Alan Taylor, Martin Gregory and me, Ben Ridley. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you're having a great day, night, afternoon, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. We're just happy that you're here listening to us. This is a little bit of a different episode in order to give some of the team members a little bit of a break because we have been working flat out bringing the latest content to you guys. We pre-recorded this in advance and decided to make it a discussional-based episode rather than all the topical pieces of news that are happening right now. Enough of me rambling on. Without further ado, let's dive straight in with the first topic. Martin, take it away. Thank you very much much Ben and I'm going to talk about games that I recommend to you so some of these are going to be games upcoming sometimes these are going to be games way back in the day but however I'm going to talk about Oxygen Not Included now this game has been quite addressed by a lot of YouTubers namely Markiplier has played this game quite a bit however I want to talk about this game because it's a bit different from your average shooter your average sport game it's just a bit of fun and the rewards and the highs are high and the lows are lows how I would describe this is a survival simulation game and it, it can just take over your life pretty quickly. So if you're not up to speed with this game, Oxygen Not Included is a simulation survival game and at the start of the new game, you have three colonists which find themselves on an asteroid in an isolated pocket of breathable atmosphere. So the premise is that you have to adapt with your surroundings and create oxygen so your colonists survive and you can work your way up on the tech ladder. It's almost like Clay Entertainment, uh, previous game of Don't Starve, but in space. And they've really uh, niggled down to some best bits taken from Don't Starve and sort of just upped it completely. I, I have played quite a lot of hours on this, more than I would actually like to admit. And after a few sessions where you get it wrong now and then and you've been so far it's quite easy just to go back to an old save or back to a new game and start all over again. Each game is generated randomly every time, so it's a new experience every time. And it's one of those games that um, once you get the hang of it, you can really delve quite deep into the game. So, Alan, I know you've played this quite a lot. What is your thoughts on the game? I love it. I've pretty much loved everything Clay have done. I mentioned Don't Starve. Don't Starve Together for me was the one that really blew it out the water. I have lost many, many nights to that. And this is no exception. It's still in early access, so it's still being updated quite regularly. Every time I go back to it, there's something new I have to learn. The most recent thing they've introduced was jobs, occupations for the colonists. Yes. But yeah, it's it's fantastic. And it's it does the same thing that Don't Starve does, where it's a survival simulation and you've got all these... I mean, far more in this one. You've got all these meters that you need to manage and you just, just don't have enough resources to do so comfortably. Every day, there's this frantic struggle to make sure everyone's alive and keeping on top of things and being kind of productive and, you know, getting everyone enough oxygen, enough water, enough cleanliness. There's like 12 overlays on the screen. So you have, you've got to consider breathability, cleanliness, power, you've got plumbing you've got food as well food is a big they, one 
oh yeah food <laughs> uh, <laughs> every time you've even got to consider their like mental well-being this art that you need you need to turn some of your colonists into artists so that they don't become stressed and freak out and start destroying things or vomiting everywhere it's 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 far too much to handle and it keeps you up all night and it's great i love it my thoughts are, and I hope you do agree, and I know you're touching on it, it's almost like dangling the carrot in front of the donkey, where you feel so close every time. Yeah. But it's just that, just just, just out of reach almost, yeah. that carrot. And, and, and that's why I like the game, because you always feel like, no, I'm going to grasp that carrot, so to speak, and, and I'm going to beat this game. But it just feels like the game torments you, and it just throws curveball after curveball every time. And yeah, it's on this daily cycle. So at the end of every day, you just think, okay, just one more day. I just need to sort out this one quick thing. Okay, I just need to get them some water. I just need to uh, put in this vent so they can all breathe. Oh, wait, no, 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 just one more day. I need to just do pl- plumb this water to the to the shower so they can safely, oh, oh one more thing. I'm being attacked now all of a sudden, <laughs> <laughs> and they're the worst. But Ben, have you, have you played this game or uh, do you know much about this game at all? No, I haven't heard too much about it. I, I, some, some people have mentioned it to me in passing and I've like, okay, it's cool. Obviously played Don't Starve quite a bit before. But you, know, you guys talking about that 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 hook in the game that keeps you keeps you there for longer than than you anticipate or or, or want to be is uh, is something that games very similar have done very well in the past. I can definitely connect and feel that through things like The Sims and SimCity. Those are very much games that used to draw many hours out of me in my summers as a kid, especially The Sims. You know, I'd, I'd just go on there in the morning to play for a little bit and I'd end up still playing the game by the end of the day in, in my summers and in the school holidays. So definitely appreciate that. And The SimCity did the same thing to me even today. I'll be on The SimCity. I'd be like, okay, all right, just finish this day, this day. And I was like, oh no, now I need to put these bigger roads in for these people. And now they're complaining that... You know, there's not enough parks or oh, suddenly there's the whole town's burning down. There's always something that comes up. And that, that's how games like this really pull you in and uh, keep you there for uh, a lot longer than uh, you anticipate. I'm also glad that you said about The Sims and SimCity. Like, to, to me, they are like high on my list of uh, all-time great games. And I, and I feel like Oxygen Not Included is either creeping into my all-time favourite games, like, period, or um, I think... After a while, as they add more and more things in, it keeps the game fresh. And I think um, hopefully uh, in a year to come time when, when it's even more developed as it's a constant changing basis, it'll be in my top 10 quite, quite comfortably if they continue down this path. Yeah, I mean, as it stands, it is still being updated. I think the difficulty curve is crazy at the minute yeah it's like, quite this, unbalanced like, little to no tutorials so you have to learn everything the hard way still but i like that i like games like who, who don't just hold your hand i like a game that sort of just says right son here's the pull into the deep end off you go and, and that's what i like about the game it's almost unforgiving but that's why i said earlier about being rewarding and, and the highest of highs because when, when you when you feel like you, you've you've conquered it and just before, you know, the calm before the storm almost, it, it just feels good. It just feels nice and comfortable. And it, I'll be honest, some games have lacked that over the years. I completely agree, but I think as it stands at the minute, when things go wrong, I don't know why and I haven't learned anything. I have to go away and look it up externally. And that is a problem with the game. When Don't Starve came out in early access, it had a very similar problem where nothing was explained and you can't learn anything from that. I, I think games that are extremely difficult and don't hold your hands, like for example, Dark Souls and Demon Souls, every time it goes wrong, you learn something and get better from it. And I just think as it goes through early access, it just needs to refine that and adjust that. Many games go through that kind of phase. Minecraft was the biggest one that did that. When Minecraft first came out, 
they didn't tell you anything. They're like, here's Minecraft. It's an open world. Learn how to make anything. And, and a lot of Minecraft, as people will know, is crafting things. So a lot of it was people, you know, trying things out and then posting on forums. Oh, this is how you do this and this is how you do that. And, and I think actually that really worked really well for the game and does work for some games that are early access uh, as well because it brings the community together because everyone's, you know, finding things out and, and telling each other. But yeah, it just remind me of that. So for my final piece, I want to make a bit of a discussion similar to violence in video games a few weeks back. I want to talk about remakes, remaster, as well as reskinned games. So I did tease this last week as well when I said about reskinning side here with like the, with FIFA and the Madden, like the, the annual games that do come out. But I want to delve a bit more deeper than that. I want to know about the remake games that you played as a kid, as well as the remastered games where they're a bit buggy at times and they have to build it from the ground up. So I'm going to go to Ben. What's your thoughts on the remake situation? Obviously, there's always exceptions when it comes to some. Some remasters are better than others. Some are taken better by the community than others. And as a whole, I'm I'm a fan of them because I am not someone who generally likes to hold on to old consoles. I'm very much someone who sees that as a pain to have to pull that out and use that. Obviously, classic, real classic consoles, you know, talking about the Super Nintendo, things like that, fair enough. But when it comes to consoles like the PS2, Xbox... You know, I'd rather have a newer console that's, that can do everything else and then I can buy a remaster and experience that game. Because to be honest with you, my, my biggest opinion on this is the fact that we all remember these games looking better than they generally are. So when we play the remaster, at least then it feels like it meets my kind of expectations of how the game looked in that day. It meets how, you know, games kind of look generally at the moment. So I'm not too disappointed in that sense. I know there's a quirkiness to, to the old fashioned games and things like that. And obviously the, they won't ever the remasters won't ever be as good as, as the originals because they're not quite the originals. They're, they're going to be slight differences. Different studios tend to make them. But as a whole, I'm a big fan. You know, if it's a way of rekindling those games and playing them. Often the remasters are cheaper than the full games were when they came out and the normal release games. For instance, Burnout Paradise is, is one of the games that's going to be coming out very soon or is out by the time you're listening. It's cheaper than what the game was originally. It's going to be about £30 here in the UK, which is much cheaper than um, a lot of full release games tend to be priced at. So it's a good thing in my eyes. You know, if you're not interested in it, don't buy it. If it's a game you've enjoyed and would like to replay, then I don't see what's doing any harm. It's often developed by smaller studios rather than taking the, the work and attention away from the bigger studios who are working on the next big thing. So I think you know, it's win-win, really. Yeah, I mean, I understand the cynical argument of, yeah, it's an easy cash grab, it's wasting resources where they could be putting that time and effort into something new and fresh. Obviously, the argument of Skyrim being re-released on every console known to man, anything that can read binary code has a Skyrim port. I really don't mind. Same as Ben. The most recent example I can think of is Grim Fandango. I don't know if you guys remember that remake coming out. But when I was, I mean, what, two or three years ago? And before that, I was so desperate to play that game. I read everywhere about how amazing this uh, uh, wonderful game Grim Fandango was. And I just had a PC that was far too advanced to play it. Unless I've downloaded this dodgy emulator, I couldn't play Grim Fandango, basically. And when the, the remaster came out, I could. And I thoroughly enjoyed it and I could appreciate it. And I'm so glad that it happened. And yeah, as Ben said, if you don't want to play it, don't buy it. It doesn't matter. 
and there is no harm in this. No, I understand what you're saying there. However, I can't help feel it's money for old jam sometimes. Like sometimes it doesn't really provide that much difference. I'm gonna tread on Ben's feet definitely when I say this. Look at The the Last of Us. It was on the end of its tenure of the PS3 and it was remastered early on in the PS4. And I just thought, well, what's the point? You've, you've only just finished playing that. Oh, I have a really, really good point. I know, Alan, you got your hand up, but I just cut, I cut him before you, I'm sorry. So I'm gonna say it first. The whole point of this was that there was a lot of people who moved to the PS4 and the PS4 was their first in a, maybe in a long time or the first ever PlayStation console that they ever got. So they may have heard about The Last of Us, but never actually experienced it. Sony were very much aware that the PS4 was a big success. Of course they're aware of it. But the PS3 wasn't anywhere near as much a success at launch as, as the PS4. So there was a lot of people that came over from the Microsoft camp to the Sony camp. And guess what? They never had the chance to play The Last of Us. There are two people in this room right now, Martin and Alan, who had didn't own PS3s, didn't get the chance to play The Last of Us. They are people that are the perfect target for the remastered. So it, this wasn't a remaster for the fans. This was a remaster because there were new audiences who didn't get the chance to play this game the first time. Yeah, no, Ben just oh, stole that right out of my Sorry, mouth. I'm sorry. Well, again, I'm really sorry, Alan. Uh, all right, I can understand when, when games are remade and, and almost remixed. Uh, talking of remixed, uh, if you look at the Kingdom Hearts series, in the first game, I'll be quite honest, the graphics were okay. You know, they were, they were quite competent at the time. And now with the re remaster version, you get like extra bosses and extra content, especially with Burnout Paradise that's coming out. You get all the DLC that also came with it. But sometimes I feel a little bit miffed when that sort of happens. Yes, it's great now, but back then when, when I was a kid, when I didn't have a job and I had to beg and plead with my mum for money to get the DLC, and sometimes I feel like if I know what I know now, should I have just waited and played it on a better console with better graphics? No. There was no other chance that you were ever going to wait to pay it on the... You, know, you didn't know the remaster was coming. No, that's and true. There was no way that you were going to wait the, to play it. The excited child within you wanted to play that game. You're not going to wait to play it. And yeah, there's, there's always something academic about this. It, it, you've missed the nostalgia. You've missed the zeitgeist and the discussion about it. So it's always going to be something you come back to. There's always value in playing something fresh as it's coming out. But yeah, like Ben said, there's no harm in, in having something for new people to come to. I mean, I, I bet you've heard brand new music on Spotify that you don't have a vinyl player to play. I bet you don't have a projector that you've watched Blu-ray movies of. Like they're, they're, the new technology needs to have the old media for people who didn't grow up with it. I mean, you grew up with these games. So the nostalgia for you might be insulting. There are kids today who have never played these games. They want to see it. They want to, they, they've heard people talk about it and yeah, they need to see it. Yeah, so I'm going to quickly wrap up. I think I'm going to be still a little selfish when I say about games and sometimes it is annoyance. However, I guess as well as sometimes it is rekindled in that childhood that, that you relive. And also in some ways I can definitely see like it does also bring in new audiences who never did get that chance. And I... I will admit, I understand where you're coming from and I never did see it like that. But I'd love to hear your opinion at home, listen to our podcast right now. What's your opinion on the remake, remaster, remix sort of argument that we got going on right now? And on that, that is me done for the Game Corner for this week. Back over to Ben. Thank you very much, Martin. Caps Lock. 
preventing logging since 1980. So rather than news topics for the Tech Corner, for this episode, I mainly have a discussion point. Something that I'd like you guys listening right now to get involved with the conversation, definitely hit us up on Twitter at 3pixelspod and go on our website where you can leave some comments on there as well, 3pixels.com. So should we restrict children's social media use? Now, before we go into any form of discussion, any form of thoughts, I want to give some sort of thing behind why I'm discussing this. Children's social media use could be restricted under plans by Culture Secretary Matt Hancock here in the UK. He says it is a genuine concern about the amount of time young people are spending in front of screens. Restrictions could include a legal requirement demanding companies ensure users are over 13 years old. There could also be varying time limits introduced for different ages. So obviously this has been the topic that's been discussed for quite a while. It's a hot topic, it always keeps coming back, especially when something bad happens. It comes back to the social media aspect. Our kids being influenced too young, especially through things like YouTube, Snapchat, Instagram. There's lots of places where people can leave anonymous comments and, and, and anonymous feedback, which can have a positive or negative effect on people's lives. And we've seen kind of both sides of that before. Now, obviously, I, I've been growing up and, and involved with social media for quite for quite a while. It's something that I, I am very much involved with and and very supportive of. It has its real benefits for everyone that uh, that gets involved with it. It's a way for, you know, for kids to interact with family members who may not live in the UK or reconnect with family that they've not been in contact with for a very long time, share mementos of what's going on in their lives, keep in touch with school friends and build friendships that maybe they've not been able to develop before. I know especially as someone who didn't have the opportunity to hang out with people that I went to school with because of distance and, and troubles. And the fact that I wasn't a kind of an extroverted person, social media and online platforms allowed me to express my feelings and values and, and connect with people that I maybe would have never had the opportunity to make friends with and people that I'm still friends with today. So I am very supportive of social media as a whole and think that something like this couldn't be implemented well enough to have a good positive effect on young kids. I can't believe we're discussion to be honest I, I feel it should be restricted to children to suggest otherwise i just can't wrap my head around it just now the, the thing is the younger generation as, as generations go on i feel like we're, we're so more gullible than, than we were back in like where when our dads and granddads were were older and people's like oh i want to be your friend online but you don't know who they are and they and this always can lead to dangerous and horrible situations that i don't want to get too much into um because i'm sure you listening can understand where i'm coming from with that it's just it's almost like a breeding ground for that. And you talk about like people who have made friends. Yes, people do move away. Some people do move away at a young age. Some people move away at a later age. However, how much uh, contact do you really need with a friend that you're going to go see at school the next day or after the weekend sort of thing? How m and how much do you really have to discuss uh, on, for, for one example, Facebook, where all these posts and stuff are like, oh, I'm doing this, this and this. Do you really need to at this point? And... I feel like we just need to safeguard our children from from just different dangers out there, as well as I feel children just don't interact with other children anymore. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, we used to go out on our bikes, we used to go play football and stuff like that with friends and family members, but we don't really get that anymore. And I know the world's evolving into this digital age, but I just think that's just such bogusness. And at some point, when are we going to realise that 
hang on, we're sort of losing our connectivity with uh, nature. To be honest, some of my most happiest days as a kid isn't just video games and, and stuff on, online. Most of it was actually going to see my granddad and doing gardening. I'll tell you, what, I've learned so much through gardening with my granddad that it's unreal. And I feel like children miss out on important skills and, and life lessons just because they want to sit on a phone. And I'll be quite honest, a great example is my sister from day one, as soon as she got Facebook, she didn't want to speak to anyone. And, and now she sort of suffered because she's missed out on good uh, family member time, friend time, because all she's done it was stir up rubbish on her um, social media account. To be honest, I feel like you put yourself in more danger than you do that you can do goodness. So I just want to interject before Alan comes in with his opinion, which I'm not really sure of yet. Just, just very briefly, I just want to interject and say that I feel that this comes back to the same discussion when it comes to video games. You know, a load of people who are on one side of the fence will say, oh, it's regulation. We need to stop the stop the kids from having access to this. But honestly, every time governments get involved and try to put policy in, it just never works. People will always find a way around of doing things if they want to make it work. You know, there are countries where certain websites are blocked or there's very much a restricted internet use, but people find ways around accessing content. And I think, you know, it never really truly works. And this is a social issue that comes back to just parents engaging, getting the kids out to go and do something, engaging them in different ways. You know, I think the, the bigger problem here is that not only social media, but devices are used as some kind of way of keeping kids quiet so the parents don't have much of a dilemma or an issue. They don't have to get too involved. They don't have to deal with the aggravation of you know, trying to entertain the kids. They're like, you know, here, here's something that's going to keep you quiet. Go away, you know, get involved with that. You know, let me just get on with what I want to get on with rather than having to actually, after work when they're tired, face up to interacting with the kids and actually engaging them and doing anything on their behalf. I don't want to go on too much of a rant on that, but I'll be quite honest, and I do hate that. I, I see it all the time. In, in fact, some of my family members used to do that and it, it irritated me and it bugs me still to this day. And that's why, well, that's one of my reasons as well, like to restrict uh, children on these devices because then they actually go out and learn something as well as interact with the world around them. Yes, I see the benefits a tiny bit, but overall I feel like it's clouded in a murky, dark situation. And I feel like kids, are, like I said earlier, are so naive. Yeah. Whatever, it doesn't really matter at all whether we want kids to use social media or not. They're going to use it anyway. I mean, Ben, you mentioned that when you were a kid, social media helped you out a lot. But the social media we have today is not at all what we had when we were kids. It, it was being developed still then. Kids today, they were born into it. They know it, they live it, and you know it is their life now. They're going to use it whether you want them to or not. I think the issue is not whether we should allow them to, but how we should allow them to and how to educate the kids and more importantly, the parents on the real effects of social media, how to really use it and how to integrate it into your life. They're gonna use it regardless. Just let them know how to use it healthily. And what, what, what would you implement? Would you, would you say this starts at school or would you say this starts with the parents? As with everything in the world, the parents that we have now aren't gonna grasp it. They might, they can try, but it's the kids now, they need to be taught. When they grow up, they will have a healthy view of social media, or I hope if we teach them, they will have a healthy view of social media that they can then pass on to their children. That's how we're going to have to do this. You can't just enforce these rules on an important part of our lives. As much as you may dislike it, 
it is integral to the way we live now. I see. We don't have traditions out the window now, is it? <laughs> but then that's also, I feel like with myself, like, let's say I had children right now. I, I just wouldn't want them to miss out on, on things that I enjoyed as a kid. And, and yeah, people say, well, they're different people. Blah, blah, blah. But like, I just, I feel like as generations go by and by, I feel they're going to miss out. Especially to, like, our older audiences. I'm sure, like, they say that about us three in here. Like, oh, you won't remember the days when we went out, did this, did that, got scrapes on our knees. And sometimes I do roll my eyes at my dad, but at the same time, I also understand where he's coming from. I, I feel like we are so cooped up with our, and so one-track mind into our technology. And, yes, it will become part of us at some point. But what about our traditional values? But we are so one-track mind with it because, like I say, it developed with us so we've not been educated how to use it healthily so if you teach someone how to use something properly they can use it the most beneficial way that they can they you could use it to contact your grandfather and say hey granddad i want to do some gardening this weekend are you free and he can just send back a photo of some of his flowers <laughs> i don't know all the good fingers like that no <laughs> <laughs> But you know what I mean? I, I think the, the idea of banning people from something that they need to learn how to use, and what, before 13? That's the most important time to teach kids things. Like what, so they just turn 13 and then all of a sudden they're allowed to use something that they don't know how to use and they don't know how to handle. It's absurd. Yeah, I think there are points here we all kind of agree on. I think governments don't always make the right decisions in the right ways and go about it the, in in the correct manner to get the get the solution that i think majority of us will want none of us really want any negative aspects for the kids you know no, none of us want the kids to to have anything bad happen to them because of social media you know technology is really important to our development and we want we want things to, to, to go in the right way and, and set in the right foot. So I think there is a middle ground to be found here that's going to keep everyone happy. And my, my feeling is that it starts with the, the key factors in terms of the role models for these kids. So whether it's at the schools, whether it's at the parents, whether it's family, friends, people showing them what's right, you know, whether that's making sure that in the house that, you know, all, all devices are away and not allowed to be used after a certain time of night, or that there's a day on the weekend, Sundays are family days, where they go out and do things. I think there are right ways to go about this, but I think outright setting like a, a, a ban, blanket ban, or in terms of time restriction, anything for everyone, isn't the right rule for everything. You know, I wouldn't take the same tool to do every job that I wanted to achieve. And I think, you know, every family's different, every, every kid's different. No one's the same and you can't treat every situation the same and not every solution will be the right thing for the right person. And that's it for the Tech Corner for this episode. Let's head over to the Movie Corner with Alan. If ever there's a Minecraft movie, it'll likely be a blockbuster. Thank you very much, Ben. Oh dear. So this week I want to talk about Gringo. I was very disappointed by this because ugh, the trailer was so great and it had a great jumping off point story-wise. Do you guys know much about this movie? Um, nothing. I've heard about it, but uh, I've not actually gone and seen it because I'm going to be honest, I didn't like the trailer. Oh, so I really did like the trailer. I thought the trailer was genuinely funny. I honestly thought it was going to be awesome. I even talked my girlfriend into seeing it for her birthday. I over feel bad for a lot of other movies, and wow. I feel really bad. 
Um, do you like your girlfriend or is this punishment then? No, I honestly thought this was going to be great. <laughs> and she didn't, she kind of wanted to see it, but she wanted to see some other things else instead. Was it Black Panther by any chance? Yes. <laughs> um, so, gringo. The plot follows Harold, played by David Oyelowo, who is a Nigerian immigrant, uh, a naive everyman that works for a pharmaceutical company that is developing a new legal marijuana pill in Mexico. The problem for law-abiding Harold is that, unbeknownst to him, his bosses, played by Joel Edgerton and Charlize Theron, are cutting off their deals with the Mexican cartel. While Harold suspects he will lose his job through a corporate merger, he fakes being kidnapped during a business trip south of the border. And what follows is a loose, messy, confusing plot involving the cartel, his bosses, an ex-mercenary, and American couple Amanda Seyfried and Harry Treadway involved in a drug mule. It's a mess. And the reason I'm really disappointed is because in the right hands, this could have been a very good Coen Brothers style absurd comedy. And I think the problem arises from the fact that none of the subplots really interacted with each other or have any impact on each other in the way that a Coen Brothers film would be much more interlinked and intelligent. The mob boss disappears for long enough to be forgotten, wanders back in to make dated jokes about which Beatles album is the best. The Americans are wasted, their plot has no effect on Harold at all. Uh, not only is it a waste of characters, but it's a complete waste of great actors. Everyone in this movie should have been great. They all put their all in here. Charlize Theron chews up the scenery. Charlotte Copley almost has an interesting internal conflict. Tandy Newton is just this cliched wife and subject of outdated fat jokes. The only lifeblood and the only reason to see this is David Oyelowo, who in spite of the mess around him, proved to be an absolute delight. This, I think, is his first comedy role as well. He's done, obviously, Selma, A United Kingdom, Queen of Catway, but he has so much personality and brings what should be a dull, hapless, cliche, naive everyman to life. Where everyone else is just saying crude things as humor, Oyelowo, his delivery is great. The physical comedy is fantastic. His word-perfect rendition of Get Jiggy With It is worthy of praise. And I really hope this movie doesn't put him off comedy because that would be a real shame. His performance was fantastic. Everything else about this was okay. I think if you've seen the trailer, you have seen the best that this movie has got to offer. Well, I'm just reading some reviews off Rotten Tomatoes here. Just a few to say out. A few laughs here and there, but largely falls flat. Yeah. I can't decide whether it wants to be magnificently, I can never say this word, uh, toxic or merely mediocre, as well as Gringo is a nasty piece of sub-breaking bad junk. I really think this is quite a Marmite film, actually, because if you look at the audience feedback generally, there are people who will give it five stars and say, everyone in the cinema was laughing hilariously. I don't see why people are rating it so badly. It's a great film. And then you'll see that followed by someone going, this is awful. I walked out of the cinema. So, Alan, do you think it is quite a Marmite film? I honestly don't know who this is for. Um, I, the theatre I was in, people were laughing all the way through. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I, I just don't know why. <laughs> I really could not understand it. The, the jokes do just feel really outdated. I mean, who's making jokes about the Beatles anymore? Who's just putting a fat person on screen and be like, ha, look, this is funny. It feels out of touch. Yeah. There was also another review, which I didn't say on this. And he's saying there's just so many subplots, it's quite hard to string what, what was the main goal of the film, really. 
which, like I said, it could work well. There, there are plenty of movies that have very layered, very use all these subplots to overwhelm Harold, but he just wanders through it fairly unharmed. I mean, not unharmed, but it, it doesn't really go that wrong for him. No real lessons are learned by anyone. It's a shame, for sure, because of, because of what I expected from it, I think. I, I, and you took your girlfriend. And I took my girlfriend, who also really didn't enjoy it. Mm. Um, so I'll have to take her to see something else next weekend. I would. <laughs> <laughs> to make up for it. But no, it's, 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 it's okay. It's not offensive. I didn't hate it. There were funny moments in it. Every single one of those f- funny moments were David O'Yellowo. But yeah, it's not, it's not worth seeing. We're, we're coming out of Oscar season, so it is kind of opening up the way for non-competition films to start coming out. No, I know, it, it sounds like uh, a ridiculous well, thing to say. wrong, though. But it feels like one of those movies that comes out after Oscar season. Sorry to say I didn't really enjoy that one, but did you at home enjoy it? Were you one of the ones that found this hilarious? Did you hate it? I, I don't really have that strong a feeling either way, but let me know if you do at hello at the3pixels.com. Thank you. Back to you, Ben. Thank you, Alan. That's all we have time for on this slightly shorter episode of the Three Pixels podcast this week. Due to time constraints, we've not been able to do a fully-fledged big episode, but hopefully there's still plenty of content there that you have enjoyed. If you have, don't forget to get in touch in the usual ways. You can follow us on Twitter at 3pixelspod. Give us an email, hello at the3pixels.com and check out our brand new website, the3pixels.com, where you can find out more information, more episodes, and get in touch that way as well. So... With that, thank you very much for listening. Thank you to Martin for joining us in this episode. Thank you very much. Thank you to Alan. Thank you. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Adios. See you later. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to the Three Pixels podcast, a production by Alan Taylor, Martin Gregory, and me, Ben Ridley. Music provided by Epidemic Sound and exec produced by Abrupt Audio. With that, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Good night. I'm going to take dating advice from you. You're going to tell me a film that I should go watch and just watch a different one altogether. Because Gringo, Ben said it wasn't very good, but you took your girlfriend anyway. Yeah, but I didn't know it wasn't going to be very good. Yeah, you did. You did, Alan. No, I honestly thought it was going to be very good. I was very excited for it. So sorry, what? You're not going to take dating advice from me. So yeah, so what I'm going to say is, so let's say, oh man, there's X film coming out. Yeah, yeah, Alan. And just go to see a completely different one. That's fine. The trailer's good though, man. <laughs> yeah, go take your girlfriend to go watch the trailer because I just enjoyed it. Just walk out before the movie starts. Could <laughs> you imagine? I poor popcorn sat down. She's like, oh, what film are you watching? Oh, you're not even ready for it. Trailer comes on, she turns Or take oh. her to go see a different movie because the trailer for Gringo will be in front of that movie. I was going to say, yeah, just after the Gringo trailer, like, oh, I'm beat, I want to go home now. She's like, what about the film? No, no, just walk out. Film. You just walk out. You chuck your popcorn in the air at... <laughs> She'd be happy actually. She'd be like, oh thank God he's gone. <laughs> he's left me alone.